I'm sure it's not hard for you to believe that one in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. About a year ago, I signed up for the Lifetime All Languages Learning Account with Babbel because I'm just that enthusiastic to learn. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed to help you start immersing yourself in a new language ASAP. They also have these cool virtual, very intimate classes that you can drop into and you can interact with other students as well as learn hands-on from a teacher. Babbel's tips and tools are accessible and they are approachable. So if you're really serious about learning that new language, here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Okay, right now you get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for my listeners at babbel.com slash SPQ. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash SPQ spelled B-A-B-B. El.com slash SPQ. Rules and restrictions may apply. This podcast is a part of the Maisie Media Network, a community of podcasts for women by women. Are you looking for a way to end summer on a high note? We've got just the thing. Get ready for unlimited smiles, unlimited times four. Get four lines of unlimited data for $100 a month. Smile, you're on cricket. Cricket Core required on four lines. Data speed limited to 3 Mbps. Cricket may slow data speeds when the network is busy. Additional fees, usage, and restrictions apply. Hey, girl, hey, and thanks for dropping into the Switch Pivot Quit podcast. Candid convo for the girl needing a lifestyle plot twist when she's deciding if it's time to switch, pivot, or quit. I'm Ayana Angel, and I am your host as well as chief encourager and author. In order for you to hang out with us in this awesome space, all that's required for you to do is sit back, open your mind, and enjoy the show. On today's show, we're chatting with Lisa Ma and Camille Vargas. They're co-founders making a space for future leaders and mentors in the tech industry with W++, a women in tech mentorship program coaching members on taking action to reclaim their careers. Together, they bring a combined experience of overcoming challenges in a white male-dominated tech industry as a software engineer and a product marketer. They've created a program that will serve a diverse range of careers in tech these women are currently working in nine to five, but they've created this program on the side so that they can be of service to women just like them. They are co-workers. That is how they met. That's how their bond was originally created. And I am excited for you to tap into this conversation because we get real about a lot of topics. This doesn't just apply to you if you work in the tech space. I'm sure that the information that these ladies are able to share with us and the way that they've been able to overcome some of their experiences is definitely going to be helpful for you and your space. So listen in and let's get to it. Camille and Lisa, welcome to the show. How are you ladies? We're doing great. Good. (laughs) So I want to get us started with first both of you ladies introducing yourselves and just let us know a little bit about your professional background sort of um, how you got to where you are top line today, and then tell us where you are in your switch pivot or quit. Yeah, 
Uh, I'll go first. Uh, my name is Lisa Ma, and uh, I'm a software engineer by trade. I graduated college uh, with a double degree in biology and computer engineering. Mm. And uh, since then, <clears throat> um, after I exited my education phase of uh, my life, I entered the <laughs> my career with like uh, a ton of aggression. So I've only <laughs> been in very, very small startups because my okay. dream is to be a C-level executive, probably a CEO or CTO of a company that uses software and technology as a way to boost whatever mission uh, that I share with uh, several people who would be my co-founders. Um, uh, I was, my first job out of education phase was being one of three people at a startup that created uh, Wi-Fi connected smart gardens. Um, and I was effectively the entire software department. I then moved on to a five person company where I learned the gap between where I was technically and where I needed to be to be a really solid technical lead at a company of that size. And now I'm at Yonomi where I work with Camille, which is a 20 something person company we're also in the internet of things space and i'm just continuing to uh sort of escalate in my skill set uh technically i'm being mentored by others that are more senior than me and i'm also mentoring others uh at my job that are more junior than me so that's kind of where i am um switch pivot quit wise um i think uh i i'm sort of onwards and upwards but every every moment every month or so every week like you name a time frame i'm doing switch pivot quit moments uh, <laughs> because there are so many factors that change especially in a startup and making sure that my career goals are still being met and my growth needs are still being met is something that i consistently assess um and sort of decide whether things need to change whether i'm really holding myself accountable to uh, my own growth and stuff like that. So, mm -hmm. yeah. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Like, wait, and real quick, I just have to say this, Camille, before you introduce yourself. Um, Lisa, like, what? Double, those double majors? So yeah. Yeah. Like we're we're really talking to like Miss Know It All. Like you, <laughs> you are really super smart. I'm like, thank I, you. Most people would have a hard time majoring in one of those, yes. <laughs> let alone double. <laughs> it was definitely super difficult, and as like definitely the result of me not knowing what I wanted in my mm. undergrad. So mm -hmm. I went into my undergrad um, and failed my first semester actually as a computer engineering major. And so I thought about switching to biology, but then I took the intro course for the uh, like computer engineering curriculum and did really well. So then my advisor advised me to like consider double majoring. And I said, why not? Because mm. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, you go girl. I Thank love you. <laughs> Camille, share a little bit about your background for us. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I lead product marketing at Yonomi. As Lisa said, we work together. Um, and just a short liner on that, Yonomi uh, is a, sp a simple smart home integration platform um, for innovators in several industries. Um, my background is in ICT for education, health, gender, equality in terms of professional background. I graduated uh, now, from wait, college. Wait, tell us what is ICT? Uh, information and communication technology. Got so it. 
that's how I really stepped into the tech space. Um, I graduated with a bachelor's in international affairs, uh, minors in gender and economics. So I've always been really passionate about the NGO and nonprofit movement space. Mm. Um, but my neighbor owned her own software development company and literally day after graduation peered over the fence and asked if I wanted a job with her. So, um, <laughs> wow, <that's amazing. laughs> it was really phenomenal. And I didn't never expected to, to enter the tech space at all. So I will say that I feel like my career in general so far has been a slew of switches or pivots in one way or another, just getting closer and closer, uh, to how I envision that developing. Mm -hmm. Um, in my spare time, I do volunteer a lot. So in any organizations that are making space for either women or Latinx, LGBTQ, leaders and mentors in tech industry, those are the areas that I really find myself drawn to. Um, so I previously volunteered heavily with Jolt, which was an organization and based out of Austin, now has many different locations building the Latinx power across Texas. Um, that's been most recent and continuing to explore other organizations too. Mm-hmm. You ladies are so awesome. I feel so privileged to be talking to you. <laughs> Yay, thanks. Yeah, yes. So you ladies are obviously working in the tech space. You're working at this startup. You work together and you have your nine to fives, but you're very ambitious women who also care about other people. So you've created this W++ network and experience for people tell us a little bit about what brought you two together to create that and sort of like what the mission is and the driving force behind you all saying hey we really feel like we need to do this it's actually a very funny story when i it's not that funny but um <laughs> when i <laughs> When I started at Yanomi, uh, I was the first female, full-time female hire with the company. So I, mm. it wasn't uh, too soon after that we hired another um, female and she was on the engineering team. She's now since moved on to other departments, but I really did feel uh, alone for a long time. Um, I, as you mentioned, I am very ambitious and uh, working through both external limitations and internal limiting beliefs was a real challenge for me. Mm. So flash forward about a year into, into that journey, into that process, lots of frustrations, lots of hitting, hitting, hitting walls, many walls over and over again. Um, I had started to hit a quit moment. So I was starting to think, you know, this company might be too small. There aren't enough growth opportunities. I'm not moving the needle forward fast enough. There are a lot of things that are challenging me and not in ways that feel productive. So I've always felt that failures and challenges can help you grow, but um, it's when those challenges are imposed by oppressive forces, right, that you start to question your own capabilities and your own confidence and it starts really hitting an internal place in an ugly way. Mm -hmm. So Lisa gets hired uh, and she, I ended up spending six weeks in Boulder. Uh, and I ended up staying with Lisa. And within the first day of us walking home from work, I basically word vomited all of these concerns uh, <laughs> that I was having, lots of spirals. And I, we realized together after time, you know, in both working through problems together, that one, that feeling of loneliness is, is not, 
it's not acceptable. Um, we felt lonely because we had, you know, resources here. I felt lonely. I had resources here and there scattered, but I didn't really have an ally or someone that could relate to my experience and working in a fully male dominated workspace, not just an industry, but a workspace um, and could help me navigate in terms and sanity checks. I'm not sure if you're familiar with sanity checks, but um, we do them quite a bit. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's in that moment where we hit that crossroad of a switch, a pivot or a quit. Um, like I said, it's something that we come to often in our journey, but that when it's taken out of your control, when it's not something that feels like you would have done organically to benefit your vision, uh, is when we feel that that unfair circumstance is not okay. And it leads to toxic mm -hmm. messaging of I cannot, or I'm incapable. And, um, we are building a framework that builds against that narrative that you are capable and you are competent and you have all the tools within you to overcome. Uh, and it's the system that's really failing you in, in terms of being able to navigate that. Like Camille was saying, like switch pivot and quitting is a normal part of, uh, like navigating your journey, but we've witnessed and the statistics show that quitting is, uh, is is the option for women more than men like uh the quit rate i think is two times that of men and that's not because women are choosing by themselves as a result of finding stuff in their journey that oh something's not right for them so they leave it's because there's a at those crossroads uh things that are discussed like expectations action items and responsibilities are put forth in order to set the stage to level up you and also your coworkers and the people that work with you um, and are supposed to be supporting you. But too often, the accountability is not there for the coworkers. Um, and so women are forced to choose the quit in SPQ. Mm -hmm. um, and so I don't, like Camille and I just don't believe that that's, that's what should happen. And we right. found a way that both of us being sort of these like lonely women <laughs> trying to navigate our careers, we've definitely found ways where you demand what you need from your peers. You don't uh, like give into this cycle of self-blame and just say like, what can I do? What can I be doing more of? It's about also demanding from the other side, like what are the things that you need? What does your growth really look like? How will you maintain your authentic self navigating your journey uh, and not compromise in order to play in an unfair system. Mm -hmm. So how do you go about doing that? I know that there's somebody listening right now who's thinking, preach Lisa, you are speaking my language, but they don't know the first place to start to demand what you need from your peers. So many women feel intimidated or feel like you said, like they're in the wrong, or like maybe they should already be getting this from somewhere else. So how do I speak up and demand what I need? Maybe share some of your experiences with how you've had to go about doing this, or maybe some of the things that you've learned in realizing, hey, this is a moment where I need to demand what I need, and this is what it has to look like. We have something at W++ called the four phases, but the phase that I'll focus on is what people do after they've hit that wall of 
um, which is what we call phase one, which is I have been stuck at this problem forever. And I've tried a lot of things to make myself better, to do all of the things to try to resource myself, but something's not working. So one thing that I've found in my career is it's not only important to ask those things of yourself, how could you be knowing yourself better? How could you be consulting experts better? How can you resource in your community better? But also one pitfall that I find uh, is something I had to learn is really analyzing the reality of the situation closely. So um, an example is who are the people that are in leadership positions? So you may have a manager and that manager may or may not be fulfilling all of the responsibilities or that manager may not be abiding by the contract set between manager and employee. In that case, like a lot of people will try to use what's recommended by a lot of resources, which is which assumes that your manager knows how to manage and will take responsibility and be accountable. But when really analyzing the reality, and, and what that leads to is sort of this cycle of I will give feedback, I will give feedback and I will say, okay, what are the expectations? Here's how like I see my own growth and this is how you can support me. But if your manager is not someone who like introspects or really has that passion to do well for their employees, that path is going to lead you to still feel like you're hitting a wall. So that's when you need to switch, pivot, or quit based on really analyzing the reality. You need to analyze um, sort of like who are the players in your ecosystem? Perhaps, and I found this to be often true, perhaps it's someone peripherally that can be your ally. So someone, for example, if I'm an engineer, someone in the product team could be an ally, or maybe I need more support from my coworkers and not just my manager. So there's, there are ways to, based on the reality of the situation, um, resource yourself better. Um, and that's one way that we've found is like really crucial to moving the ball forward when it feels like you're stuck is to really analyze what is happening and who are the players essentially on your chessboard that is your career. <laughs> I'm sure it's not hard for you to believe that one in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. About a year ago, I signed up for the Lifetime All Languages Learning Account with Babbel because I'm just that enthusiastic to learn. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed to help you start immersing yourself in a new language ASAP. They also have these cool virtual, very intimate classes that you can drop into and you can interact with other students as well as learn hands-on from a teacher. Babbel's tips and tools are accessible and they are approachable. So if you're really serious about learning that new language, here's a special limited time deal for our listeners, okay? Right now, you get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for my listeners at babbel.com slash SPQ. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash SPQ spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash SPQ. Rules and restrictions may apply. Are you looking to expand your team? Well, look no further than Indeed. 
Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering SPQ listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job posts, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com SPQ. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com SPQ. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th, 2020. Talk to us a little bit about um, the just the, the action that you can sort of take if you're feeling intimidated by maybe looking to these peripheral resources and things like, like how, how do you move? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, do you send an email? Do you ask somebody out to coffee? Like, how do you sort of move, especially if you know that maybe you're not getting what you need from management and you also recognize a lack of ability in management to manage? Absolutely. So that's uh, what we would define as phase three, which are the actionable steps that you can take uh, whilst after you've navigated that first phase of analysis, like really knowing what your foundation is. Some of those immediate changes that you might consider are one, if you don't already do one-on-ones in your, with your teammates or with your managers, start doing one-on-ones and then also document them. This can be both in a shared document or it can be a personal document for your records so that you know exactly what you touched on and you can hold that person accountable to promises made. Um, Other things might include uh, spending a couple hours a a week studying up. So you, if you are, for example, I'm a product marketer, I might spend two, two hours a night or two hours a week um, learning more about either the future of product marketing or foundations of product marketing so that I can stay abreast of uh, what knowledge is available to me. Other things might include finding opportunities like looking ahead at your calendar and making sure that you spend 15 minutes ahead of each calendar opportunity um, preparing. Know who the audience is going to be, how you're going to speak up and add value to the conversation because we found that it's really important that you simply practice speaking up in meetings that you're a part of. Um, Other things might include beefing up your network. Lisa mentioned finding allies in adjacent departments. So allies, either other managers that may be outside of your initial scope of expertise, champions, and sponsors. So people who will speak up for you when you're not in the room, and that's all through rapport building. So that doesn't happen overnight. And something we've heard from um, our first beta workshop is, you know, how do you even approach a mentor? And sometimes that's just starting a conversation saying, I don't really have an agenda. I've found something you, you spoke at a conference, you wrote an article that I found myself drawn to, and I'd love to explore that further and see if there's a connection, Um, and then continue that way. And that's one step towards finding that sponsor. 
the last thing that we really emphasize is committing mentally to this process. So the phase one of hitting a wall, the phase two of that self inventory, and then phase three of taking action um, with small immediate changes is a cycle. It's not something that you're going to experience once and then you're done. You're going to go through this cycle a few times. And we really believe that there's no pain, no gain uh, at W++, which is why we practice radical honesty and action-oriented outcomes. Mm -hmm. um, but without that mental commitment, you're going to hit that wall again, and you're more than likely to give up. So you need to see the long-term vision about what it is that you're trying to accomplish and why, and then go through the cycles. And the framework really helps just orient yourself in terms of problem solving. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So Lisa, you're one of two women on the engineering team. And from what I'm told, word on the street is, no, I'm just waiting, <laughs> um, <laughs> that you went through the process of building allies, documenting evidence, and making a case for demanding more from your manager. Now, I know that the time and the emotional, like, turmoil and our frustration and all that stuff is real. Talk to us a little bit about, because I'm sure that there's somebody else who's experiencing this, even if they're not one of two women, they just may feel out of place where they are. They just yeah. may feel like the minority for one reason or another. And this process of building allies, of documenting evidence, talk to us a little bit about what does documenting evidence even look like? What is making a case for demanding more for your manager even look like? How do you know if that's something that you need to do? Yeah, so uh, sadly, I'm now just one of one on our engineering oh, team. Oh, wow. <laughs> look at that. Uh, so, um, <sighs> so, so yeah, definitely uh, feel isolated. Um, so... Regarding the allies, I would say the best starting point for all of that is viewing your organization as an organism. So you are like one of like one organ in the whole body. And this is like my biology background coming out right now. <laughs> we um, love it. <laughs> but essentially without uh, creating pathways between these organs, they can't communicate well. And you also as like the stomach or something can't respond correctly when things are out of phase in other parts of the organization. So I would say like for the right relationships uh, that you do want to invest in for those allies, champions, and sponsors, those are all going to be people that like investing in others. Um, so not every uh, relationship needs to be built if it's not going to be symbiotic sort of. So what I would say is for those relationships that you do feel are going to be mutually beneficial, you want to start from a place of let me learn something from you about you. Let me pay attention to how you operate in the organization and come up with like a hundred, okay, maybe a hundred's not, <laughs> maybe like 10 questions that I have about your role in the organization with the goal of how can I better work with you? And, and I've done this with, um, people in the sales department, um, customer success department. Like mm -hmm. I don't necessarily interface with them every day, but just starting the conversations from, let me know more about what you do. Like often the one-on-ones that I have with them are like, what has been challenging for you lately? 
What are you most concerned about at this organization? What's some way I can help you? What, how do you see the engineering department and your department working better? So starting from there and establishing the fact that you care about having that symbiotic relationship will allow the, and facilitate the relationship to become something where it's mutually beneficial. They have your back, you have theirs. And honestly, that's how most people prefer to work is where the whole organism sort of works all together real smooth like that. Mm -hmm. um, so main takeaway there is start from a place of humility and learning, and that will enable you to develop those relationships. Yeah. Regarding management, I, I don't think there's an if you should uh, document. I think it's always good to document because mm. um, some some behaviors and some things take time to show an established pattern, right? Mm. And mm -hmm. so um, when starting with a new manager, it's important to set expectations because there are different management styles and every company has a different culture and every manager has different focus areas. So you want to know like how your goals and their goals align and how they plan on supporting you. And then each subsequent one-on-one -on -one should be a check-in on those expectations. How has the, the breadth of work that you've done during X amount of time lined up with your initial agreement? And how can we improve on that together as a manager and employee? So that's sort of my uh, spiel on yeah. definitely documenting and using that to check yourself on your goals and whether your manager is sufficiently supporting you in achieving those things. Camille, I w you mentioned sanity checks. I want you to talk to us a little bit about what that is or just explain what it is because that's the first time I'm hearing it. And so I'm sure it may be the first time that somebody else is hearing it. What is a sanity check? Absolutely. So a sanity check uh, is actually something that I learned from Lisa in terms of the actual word sanity check, but you are probably very familiar with the, am I crazy? Are they actually acting this way towards me? Yes. Is it me or is it them? Like what is going on right now? Mm -hmm. And <laughs> yep. and those things will drive you crazy, especially if you're the only person who looks like you, who behaves like you, who talks like you on a team it's hard to get that perspective of who's at fault. And oftentimes it's not who's at fault, but what can we do better together and how can we gain perspective? Mm. So that sanity check is talking to someone that you trust, who understands where you're coming from, who have you spoken to before and sharing that experience. And that person, you know, if they're doing their job right, will say, you know, that is exactly wrong or that is exactly right. You're, they'll validate your feelings. They'll say, yes, it makes a lot of sense that you would feel really frustrated and sad about that scenario. Here's some ideas about how we can move forward. So um, one thing that's come up before is validation, uh, especially for women in the tech world is, you know, if you look for validation, why are you looking for validation? It might be, it might feel like a weakness. Mm -hmm. um, but really when we start talking about equity and equality in the workplace, most of your coworkers are going to be receiving implicit validation day in and day out on their work and the things that they produce. Whereas you are very different and will not be receiving that same implicit validation. Therefore, you should demand that validation. You should be having that from your manager saying, yes, that looks like it's on the right track, you're doing really well, or giving you constructive criticism on how you can do better. Um, and oftentimes that's overlooked. So 
those are little things that you can learn from sanity checking with people that you trust. That's one thing that, again, Lisa does really well. She demands validation from her peers and from her coworkers on work. There is no way that someone's going to co-opt things that she's developed because it's very clear that she's been working on it since day one. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now I have to ask, how do you demand that validation, especially without like coming off bitchy or pushy or whatever, because those are things that are associated with women when we try and take a stance where we're speaking up for ourselves or demanding things. Uh, How do you, how do you, how do you go about demanding it? What does that look like? I think it's really two parts. The first is developing trust with your coworkers. Mm. So you have to sufficiently have the back of your coworkers in order for them to feel like when you demand that validation or demand uh, that feedback mechanisms be used for you or acknowledgement be given to you, they know that it's not coming from a place of like, you can't be above me. I, I have to be at the top and I need all of the credit. So um, when, when we're talking about developing those relationships and being there for people, it means like seriously, like checking in on people to see how they're doing, like really show that you care and you're invested in us as a team and not just yourself. And naturally people will um, respond well when you ask them to support you because you've been there for them all of the time. Um, so I don't think it's, um, super hard, but aligning on, um, where your growth areas are. Like one thing that I try to do with my team is I try to ask them about where their growth areas are, where their career goals are, and also share mine Mm -hmm. so that they know like relative to where they are and where I am, where, where are the areas that I will be looking for more ownership and I will be looking for more feedback, including the validation that this was good or this was bad. Um, and having resources, uh, Google has a rework career worksheet that both Camille and I use to frame short-term goals and long-term goals and things that we can do immediately to move the ball forward for us. So sharing that with your coworkers on what you plan to do um, is really important for then it being a good segue of like, here is like where I need the validation or the feedback. I'm sure it's not hard for you to believe that one in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. About a year ago, I signed up for the Lifetime All Languages Learning Account with Babbel because I'm just that enthusiastic to learn. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed to help you start immersing yourself in a new language ASAP. They also have these cool virtual, very intimate classes that you can drop into and you can interact with other students as well as learn hands-on from a teacher. Babbel's tips and tools are accessible and they are approachable. So if you're really serious about learning that new language, here's a special limited time deal for our listeners, okay? Right now, you get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for my listeners at babbel.com slash SPQ. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash SPQ, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash SPQ. Rules and restrictions may apply. 
Have you ever logged into your online banking account only to find out that it's closed? That's what happened to me when I signed up for my first business banking account. I bet you can see why I'd be interested in Aslo, a banking platform made for small businesses. Instead of the days or weeks it takes to apply for an account at a traditional bank, where you're still required to go in in person, with Aslo, you just go to azlo.com and apply in as little as 10 minutes. And there is no waiting to use your account. With Aslo's free instant funding feature, you can deposit up to $1,000 and access it in your account instantly. I recommend signing up now because Aslo was created for us, giving us one less worry regarding our money. Sign up right now with no minimum deposit at azlo.com, aslo.com slash spq and get a free copy of Aslo's Small Business Starter Guide, spelled A-Z-L-O dot com slash S-P-Q, and sign up with a free Small Business Starter Guide and no minimum deposit, aslo.com slash S-P-Q. Today's episode of the Switch Pivoter Quick Podcast is sponsored by Cricket Wireless. Are you looking for a way to end summer on a high note? We've got just the thing. Get ready for unlimited smiles, unlimited times four. Get four lines of unlimited data for $100 a month. Smile, you're on Cricket. Cricket core required on four lines. Data speed limited to 3 Mbps. Cricket may slow data speeds when the network is busy. Additional fees and restrictions apply. Introing that question, you mentioned, like, how do you escape being seen as bitchy or aggressive Mm -hmm. the other side of that trap is coming across as um as not being humble Mm -hmm. and when people expect more humility from their women than they do of their men or you know however you identify is is really challenging to overcome because they're saying check yourself either you haven't achieved what you need to achieve, you're being too bold for what you're asking for. And that's why uh, building that trust and that relationship authentically um, and investing in different people around you is really crucial so that that messaging doesn't get, uh, doesn't overtake your journey towards that validation. Mm -hmm. I love that. Okay. So I want to know about failure, not hitting the mark. You you sort of touched on it, Lisa, when you said like, hey, validation, either good or bad, you know, um, either I did something great and I hit it out of the park or maybe I didn't do something so well. How have you ladies personally dealt with those times where you didn't do something so well, especially in a male dominated space, company or field? Um, was that crushing for you or like, did you just brush it off and say, okay, next time, what was the team's response to you? Like, I just want to hear a little bit of what your experience has been like when everything is not so peachy. Yeah. So for me, I definitely struggle with insecurity, especially around my technical skills, because Um, based on the feedback I've been given from my peers, my people skills are pretty on point and they're used a lot to facilitate our development cycle. Mm -hmm. But um, one of the biggest challenges I have in my career is not sort of putting my own technical growth aside in order to have my people skills highlighted. So 
I have failed before for sure <laughs> in, in uh, technically. I was actually let go of my second job because I wasn't at the level that they needed um, in order to operate as one of five uh, people in a company, one of three engineers in an org. So uh, that really, that insecurity has stayed with me and it's something that I actively remind myself. So um, we talk about phase four as part of W++ framework, which is just an emotional phase where you, <laughs> where you just like keep failing and just analyze very fast uh, the lessons. And this is where I really use Camille also as an ally of like, look, I failed. Here are the things I could have done better. Um, let me be empathetic towards myself. This is normal. This is part of the journey. Failing doesn't mean that you are doing your journey wrong. It, it is a natural process of growing. So I try to remind myself of that. And in terms of how it relates to my male peers, um, I, I just try to stay focused on me and um, be humble. Stop playing the compare game, but just take the things that I see that they're doing well or see the opportunities and how they executed on it and just funnel all of that back into my own growth. I want to talk a little bit about emotional tax. Um, we, we were talking about that in our email exchange and in this white male dominated workplace. Talk to us a little bit about the high emotional tax that you ladies either have or understand that you can experience in this type of space. And I don't know, what are your thoughts? Like, is there something that you do specifically to navigate or if you have any types of words of encouragement for other women out there? I don't know, just talk to us a little bit about this whole emotional tax in a white male dominated workplace. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. So I've actually been educating my coworkers about emotional chat, uh, really? emo emotional tax. Yes. Good and for it's because, you. <laughs> uh huh. Well, it's thanks to you, Ayana, because I learned about it on this podcast, and Yay! so. <laughs> Working. <laughs> Absolutely. I heard that episode and I immediately sent it to Lisa and I was like, this is us. This mm. is us on guard mm -hmm. feeling like we are under attack and that sense of, um, you know, this is a battle for yeah. us sometimes. And it often does feel that way when um, you might have a coworker who is unaware of the emotional tax that's being put on you and that you harbor um, working in a certain type of environment. And so without that awareness for each other, mm -hmm. um, little behaviors feel like you are trying to squash me. You yeah. don't understand my background, what it took me to get here, to get in this room. And now you're trying to take my ideas. You're trying to steal my work. You're not giving me credit for the things that I'm doing. All the while, it could simply be that they are completely unaware of what they're doing, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. And that's the worst part. So uh, in our recent diversity, equity, and inclusion meetings, uh, roundtables that we've been having, um, I shared emotional tax as a vocab homework <laughs> mm, <I love laughs> uh, for, for people to explore. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, absolutely, it is draining uh, going mm -hmm. to work every day. I've 
mentioned that, you know, when Lisa and I first met, I word vomited. That also included a lot of tears around feeling like opportunities were being taken from me. And um, once you work through that, once you feel like you have allies, once you start resourcing, building relationships in a different way than you, may have, you might have approached, you can start having some of the more, the more honest conversations that you really need to have to bring people to where you're at why your journey is different from theirs and have them actually understand to some extent and empathize with that um, and build that rapport together. Right. And I know that Lisa's journey uh, is similar and different, especially being an engineer. Yeah, um, I, I would say like this is one of the areas that I uh, have to work on the most personally because I am pretty stubborn and uh, kind of aggressive with my own growth. And so uh, Camille and I, between us, call it burrito mode. But essentially, <laughs> it's this like it's this like protective aluminum foil wrapper yeah. that I put up because um, I'm I'm consistently thinking like, how am I not going to get screwed over? Because mm. I really, really do not want to be blocked in my career. I want to. I want to pioneer my way to the top and make space for others and, and, and open the channel for other people to come through, which is a lot of like my drive for W plus plus as an organization. Mm -hmm. Um, but I will say that like emotional attacks can have a, a range, like how much are you paying, right? Like taxes, uh, are, are different in percentage across right. States. Like you can tune the percentage that you're giving or experiencing. And what Camille is alluding to regarding developing relationships and setting up those one-on-ones, all of that is like foundational work that yes, is more work than my male coworkers have to do. Um, uh, and in fact, they don't have to do it. That's the problem. It's like, yeah. I feel that I have to do this in order to, give myself enough space for my mental health mm -hmm. uh, and to not have to be defending always. So doing that upfront work, although it's a lot of work, documenting one-on-ones, making sure you're always checking your growth and whether it's being aligned, all of that, um, I do think that investing upfront reduces emotional attack in the long run and will keep our women and non-binary individuals in tech more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want to talk a little bit about the current racial climate that we're in right now. The shit has hit the fan, right? So, you know, there's all this, this calling people out on the things that they have done that are not acceptable. There's a lot of tension, I can imagine, um, in a lot of different workplaces because some people know the, the stuff that they have done and they're afraid of being called out for it. There's all these companies committing to having more of a diverse workplace and committing more resources to developing their diversity and inclusion spaces. What have you ladies been experiencing since all of the racial conversations have started to really reach a tipping point and what have you been thinking i personally have been feeling i went through a long phase of anger because um 
a lot of us are familiar with the sense of trying to bring our peers, have our peers meet us where we are and share some of our experiences so that they can empathize. This thing that we're talking about, building rapport with our coworkers, we've all tried and done with some of our friends. And um, I, from my personal experience, that's either met with defensiveness, uh, gaslighting, no, that's not true, hypotheticals, the my favorite, uh, the devil's advocate, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And now that it's come to an inflection point where everyone is really being forced for the most part to look and introspect and see what their role has been, I look around at my community and honestly, I do feel like we all deserve a massive apology because we have been trying, we have been speaking, we've been saying there are problems, look at the problems. If I had a friend say something that was racist or problematic, I'm not telling you to shame you, I'm telling you so that you're more aware, but now you've cut me out as a friend because I made you feel an ugly feeling. So those are, that was something that I personally had to work through myself so that I could be in a better place to um, continue the work of building awareness, being an advocate, taking action uh, in, that advocates for our community and builds a better system. Um, and, and these diversity, equity, and inclusion roundtables took a lot of emotional effort for me to, mm. to, act, to organize because of that anger. Wait, a lot of, so you organized these conversations? Yes, I started them. Wait, 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 wait. We can't glaze over that. So <laughs> what, made, what made you take the initiative to start them? Was it something that you had to go to senior leadership and get like approval for? Or did they come to you and say, hey, do you want to start these? How, how did that even come about? Yeah, so the leadership at Unomi has always... Uh, spoken a lot about our values in terms of building an inclusive workplace mm-hmm. and uh, forwarding the agenda for for equity and such. Um, what I was seeing, however, was both, and I think that our peer, Brandon, actually said this best, was that a lot of the male white community is for the first time looking at themselves both through the lens of their gender and their race, mm-hmm. whereas many of us have been doing that for years, right. uh, for our entire lifetimes. So I was seeing both that uh, turmoil, internal t- turmoil turn into lack of action. And I, like I said, I was angry. I was angry for a long time. And um, that resulted in uh, people reaching out to me and knowing of my perspective and my point of view, having conversations on the sidelines. And uh, I essentially decided that if we are an inclusive workforce and we do have these values, it should not be a problem for me to announce that we're going to do this. Uh, so we, so I did that. Um, and luckily it's been a success. And since then we've gotten a buy-in from our leadership uh, to continue that work. And so I no longer have to continue organizing them. Our CEO uh, organizes a recurring roundtables to continue the conversation, which is great. Yeah, that is, that's really good. Specifically, uh, one thing I'd like to share is one of my coworkers recently, um, he's a white male, and I, I, I have this belief, like, our roundtables can sometimes be awkward. Like, maybe only the colored people are talking. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand that, like, white men feel that they need to take more of a listening role right now to understand 
-hmm. but there's also the other side of the coin which is like what are they experiencing and what are their ugly truths slash unknowns that they aren't really bringing to the table right it requires honesty across the board in order to move the ball forward together yeah and so um I focus a lot of my efforts in these roundtables and also in one-on-one conversations with my male, uh, white male coworkers around, like, what do you feel exactly with all of these conversations? And one thing that came up was uh, one of my white male coworkers feels that he has a very narrow path that he can walk uh, in order, in terms of, like, the questions he can ask or the um, things that he can say. And it's important, I feel, to hear that expressed because the messaging is education. Educate yeah. yourself so that you don't feel like there's a narrow path that you have to walk. All of this information is available. And how I feel personally about this is we should not be placing more burden on an oppressed community to give answers that are readily available. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I absolutely agree. But you know, one thing that that makes me think of too is goes back to what Camille was saying, you know, white men are now realizing that they have to look at themselves through a lens of being a man and being a white man now. And I think that you're absolutely right, Lisa. They should not, they being everybody who fits into a category that is not a person of color, basically, should not then put the onus on us to educate them. But I also feel like that makes it much easier for people to tap out and and look away because it doesn't affect them as much, right? It's starting to affect them now, you know what I mean? Because it's starting to affect people's businesses, their bottom lines, and people's behaviors are being called out. So it's starting to affect more people, but it's still not touching everybody. And I think a part of what's also happening is when people feel uncomfortable, obviously they back away. A lot of people, they don't run Mm -hmm. towards the discomfort, right? But it's making me think that because one thing I would love for them to realize is because you are who you are, that's why you have to lean into the discomfort because we can't, this is all of the systematic racism, the way that everything is set up, it is set up for your benefit. So you have to start to work through and uncover why is it set up for my benefit as a white male? And what does, and how have I benefited? And what does that really look like? And what does it look like if I don't even pay attention to this and choose to go on about my life like it's not bothering me? Yes, that's exactly right. Uh, So in the Latinx community, just as an example, there is a long history of colorism. And within our own families, you know, we have to have hard, uncomfortable conversations and educating our moms, our aunts, our tias, our tios, right, Mm -hmm. about why this is problematic and why they need to really in turn look inside of themselves at why they feel a way that they feel yeah. and keep having these hard conversations. So not necessarily, and what I'm hearing from you, Ayana, is that we do have to push. Mm-hmm. And I think that is exactly right, that we do have to push. I am not, 
I'm not going to take on the role of pushing on someone who is not meeting me at the same pace. So if you're not leading yeah. into that, leaning into that discomfort, I'm not going to push on you because you're not ready. You have a lot more work to do. But if I see that you're doing the work, you're asking questions, you're leaning into the discomfort, you're cringing, but you're still listening, you're yeah. still showing up, then great. Let's keep having a conversation about it. But for the people who are checking out, the time is here where that's not okay anymore. And people will notice that you're not participating, that you're not advocating, that you're not speaking out, that you're not asking questions, bare minimum, right? Ask questions. This has been such a good conversation. I really, really enjoyed it. I really appreciate you sharing all of your experiences with us because I know that it's going to be really helpful for those listening. And I just wish you a ton of success in all of your ventures because I know that you ladies are going to do amazing things or I should say continue to do amazing things and before we go let us know where we can check out more about W++ and how people can connect with you all individually as well. Uh, we're really primarily on LinkedIn. So if you want to connect with us, you can follow W plus plus mentorship. Uh, it's all it's two words W plus plus mentorship on LinkedIn, or you can request Lisa or I and we'll be happy to connect and give more information. Yes. Also, if you'd like to email us, we are info at W plus plus that's spelled out W and then the word plus twice uh, dot org. So info at wplusplus.org and we will get back to you. <laughs> love it, love it, love it. Thank you so much, ladies. I really appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Of course. And as always, you guys, be good. How do you feel great on vacation? Like really good? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sand beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll immerse yourself in natural wonder and find your center on an island where things move at your speed. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com.